Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Second Peter chapter 1 tells us that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. This means that God has a vision for your life, which includes you receiving his love, being transformed into the image of Christ, and living a garden life. In today's message titled, Say Yes to God's Vision, we take a deeper look at knowing and understanding God's will for our lives. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, say yes to God. Hallelujah. Say yes. So we've been talking for weeks about saying yes. I want you to open your Bible to Judges chapter 21. (laughs) Today we're going to say yes to God's vision. (laughs) Amen. Say yes to God's vision. Judges 21. So we've been talking for weeks about saying yes to God, and we've been on this area where we were talking about Kairos moments, and for several weeks we were talking about how saying yes to God requires us be instant in the moment. We need to already understand what the will of the Lord is, because when we understand what the will of the Lord is, then we can obey God when we hear His voice, amen? Amen. It's challenging to say yes to God when you don't know what God is saying. I was in this beautiful place. I was on vacation. And I, uh, well, it wasn't vacation. It was, it, was a, it was a humanitarian visit. It was Cuba. And so I had been working on my Spanish very diligently. I was trying to make sure that I could speak the language. Except when I got to Cuba, I found out they don't speak the kind of Spanish I was learning. <laughs> so I walked into the bank and I had my money. I was ready to do my transaction and I, I started uh, talking to, the, to the, the teller in Spanish and I'm explaining to her what I want to do. And in Havana, Cuba, where nobody cares about speaking English, in Havana, Cuba, as I'm breaking my transaction down with the teller, she finally says, just speak English. <laughs> <laughs> she said, just speak English. <laughs> because my Spanish was so bad. She just told me, don't know. No, it's better for me to speak to you in, in your language than for you to try to speak my language because you don't understand my language. <laughs> Amen. And sometimes when we are trying to say yes to God, our challenge is that we have a language barrier with God. And the language barrier with God sometimes is that we have uh, been so indoctrinated in our culture that our culture starts to become our language. And so when God speaks from his culture in his language, we sometimes are interpreting certain things incorrectly because we're interpreting it not through the filter of heaven, but through the filter of our culture. Amen. And so in order to be uh, where we need to be with God, we need to learn how to speak God's language. And we have to understand that sometimes our inability to speak God's language is because we have forgotten certain foundational things. 
In the book of Judges, one of the things that happens here is, again, if you kind of look at your Bible, you'll see that there are five, first five books of the Bible, Hebrew people will refer to as the Pentateuch. In other words, the five books. They are the five books written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They're written by Moses, and they recount the history of the world from the point of Adam through the establishment of the kingdom. And Moses takes the children of Israel all the way to the edge of the promised land, And when he got to the edge of the promised land, God said, that's far as you can take them, Moses. I'm going to let you see the promised land that you fought for, but I can't let you go in. And then Moses turns over the reins to his protege, Joshua. And we have a book of Joshua that talks about how the children of Israel went from looking at the promised land to actually entering into the promised land and beginning to conquer the promised land. The interesting thing about Joshua is that when Moses was talking to God face to face, Joshua as his assistant would sit close enough that he could also hear the things of God. And so Joshua heard from God firsthand the things that Moses was telling people that God said. Joshua heard it with his own ears. So Joshua was well qualified to take the children of Israel from where Moses could no longer go into the land of promise because he heard it for himself. He heard what God said, and he talked to Moses about what God said. And he, under Moses, learned enough to be able to take them to the edge of the promised land. But there came a day where Joshua was no longer there. And what began to happen is we have the age of the judges. And the judges were God's people who were there to interpret the words of God and to take action on behalf of the people of God. And so we get here to the book of Judges, and there have been several things that have happened. But one of the things that begins to happen is, is that there starts to become a thread of wickedness that happens under the tutelage of the judges. And we know certain judges didn't really understand their roles, and because they didn't understand their roles, they just did stuff. Somebody like Samson, who was a judge. We've heard about Samson. We've heard about uh, the fact that he was anointed from God, but he had a weakness that he never dealt with. And because he didn't deal with this weakness, this weakness eventually manifested in him not judging the people, but living for himself. And so when we get here to the book of Judges, chapter 21, a serious atrocity has taken place, which I won't go into because I don't have time to break it down. But this atrocity happens and it divides the children of Israel. It divides them because of this crisis that has happened and they all had to respond to it, but they all have gotten frustrated with the fact that everything is going wrong. So when things don't go the way that we need them to go, this, this passage picks up and tells us what happens at the end of the book. And verse 24 says, So the children of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family, and they went out from there, every man to his inheritance. And verse 25 is where I want us to focus. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did 
what was right in his own eyes. See, Moses wasn't a king, but he stood as a, as a, as a singular point of authority. Joshua was not a king, but he stood as a single point of authority. And when those two figures were no longer there, the people started settling into no longer thinking about things in terms of us as a nation. They began thinking about things in terms of themselves. And as they began thinking about things in terms of themselves, their language changed so that they were no longer hearing God the way God intended to speak to them. Amen. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. A king is an establisher of a kingdom. And when there's no king, there's no kingdom. Amen? So what happens after this is that we go through a a season where the children of Israel fall into a series of problems, and these problems eventually find themselves in battle with the people around them and no clear sense of government, no clear sense of of what we should do. And because of that, everybody goes to their own thing. And what eventually happens is they become easily picked off because number one, they don't have, they're not following their covenant with God. And number two, they have no leadership. That's a bad combination. Amen. Now, listen close because we're starting a new year and I want you to really understand this. When we don't have leadership, we don't know where our focus points are. When we don't have leadership, we we lose the sense of, of, of where we are going. When we don't have leadership, we start losing the sense of, of, of what priorities should there be. And now we all have the ability to hear God ourselves. However, there's still a point that God says, listen, I've set up leadership within the church. The apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Even though everybody can hear from me, I still set in place a five-fold leadership so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Because there are cunning things out there they are waiting to deceive you. There are cunning things out there that want to grab you. There are cunning things out there that want to knock you off track. Those things are out there, and you have to understand God sets leadership in place so that we don't just all do whatever we think is a good idea to do. Amen? You're going to see where this is important. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Man, this is really important because understanding what the will of the Lord is, I want you to understand that that God has given us, as we were talking about time, time can be redeemed. Amen? But you can't redeem time if you don't know what you're redeeming it for. And if you don't know what you're redeeming time for, then your redemption of time only results is more lost time because you're wasting time trying to redeem time that you don't know what you're going to use it for. So you waste more time trying to redeem time because you don't have a purpose or understand why you're redeeming the time. Amen? How many of you tried to clean up the kitchen only to realize somebody's still messing up the kitchen? (laughs) Amen. If you're cleaning the kitchen while they're still making a mess, you're wasting time. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, I got a witness out here. Amen. (laughs) I'm going somewhere with this, so hang tight. 
Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Today we're talking about saying yes to God's vision. Saying yes to God's vision. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to go to verse, we're going to begin with verse 1. Now remember the children of Israel, they, they lost their sense of where they were going. They lost their sense of direction, even though they had, they had achieved great things. They had actually taken the promised land from the hands of the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Canaanites, and who else? The Boogabites. They took it all away from them. They took that land all away from them under the promise and direction of God. Amen? They had achieved those things. They had operated and flowed together. But once they got in the land, they forgot that God still had a purpose for them being in the land. See, sometimes when you have an, a clear adversary, we stick together. When we lose our adversary, we forget why we're together. Amen? But look what it's saying here. 1 Peter chapter 1, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The corruption that is in the world through what? Lust is usually driven by us doing what seems like is a good idea for us to do. Or as the book of Judges said, everybody did what's right in their own eyes. The corruption that's in, world, in the world through lust is usually doing what seems like a good idea in our own eyes without the consideration of eternal value of things. Without the consideration of what is God's will, what is the bigger picture, what is, what is God doing and what is God taking us, and how do I keep my eyes focused on that, than what seems like a good idea right here. Amen? A friend of mine, he, uh, he ended up having an extramarital affair, and, and, and I was having a, doing a counseling with him. And I said, man, what happened? He said, man, it, it looked like the right thing to do. <laughs> Now, he explained his situation, and it was a bad situation. But the bad situation led him to a point of making a decision on what looked good in his eyes in the moment. <laughs> so we can all say, oh, that sounds crazy. But it didn't sound so crazy when he was in the middle of it. <laughs> when he was in the middle of it, it sounded like the right thing to do. It looked like the right thing. It felt like the right thing to do. But he lost his vision. And when he got into a problem, he hid his problem. And when his problem was hidden, he's the only one giving himself input on his problem. And so when him and his problem are now riding along, his, in, his situation where he's isolated himself has brought about a corruption so that now 
even what's wrong looks right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but this says that God has exceedingly great and precious promises. And in those promises is how we actually escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. Amen. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Say, I'm saying yes to God's promises. When you can say yes to God's promises, it will protect you from the corruption that's in the world. It will, it will, God's promises, saying yes to his promises, will actually protect you from things that will go wrong in your life. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready to spend this year in God's will. Amen. Amen. Go back to verse 3. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Man, everything God, his divine power. In other words, you don't have the power to be righteous and you don't have the power <laughs> to get all godliness in your life. He's providing it. His divine power is making available to you what you need to be righteous and what you need to live godly. Amen? Now, I'm talking to mature Christians, so I'm not teaching you this so you know it. I'm teaching you this so you can teach somebody. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him. In other words, the more you know Jesus, the more he is now empowering you to actually live holy and to live godly. He's provided all things through the knowledge of him who has called us. Tell your neighbor, say, you've been called by glory and virtue. Glory is God's abiding presence. You heard people mention, I saw a glory cloud. What was that? It means I saw the presence of God. I sensed it. I, saw, I could sense, I could see the presence of God. So by the, God's presence, what establishes God's presence in our lives? Covenant. <laughs> Covenant is what actually supplies God's presence. See, God's in the world altogether. When we receive Christ, we enter into covenant with Christ. And in covenant, his presence is guaranteed. When his presence is guaranteed, it doesn't mean you feel it. Me and my heart been together since 1963. But I only feel him every now and then. I hope y'all got what I'm telling you. Everything, everything that's with you, you don't feel it all the time. Me and the heart, we've been together the whole time, but it's only in certain circumstances where I, boop, 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 I feel it. I'm counting on it always being there. I'm counting on it working the way it's supposed to work, but I don't always know it's there. I'm not always conscious that it's there. I'm not always thinking about the fact that it's there, but it don't leave me nor forsake me. Amen. Amen. If you if you got a heart in your chest, say amen. amen. Come on. I'm not. 
So we understand that. Everything that's with you, you don't always know it's with you. Amen? Or you're not thinking about the fact it's with you. That's how God's presence is in your life. You're not always thinking about it, but he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to be right here all the time. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. Where you go, I'm going with you too. When I went to Cuba, my heart was with me. Amen? Come on, come on. When I went to the Dominican Republic, my heart was with me. Amen? When I went to Atlanta, my heart was right there all the time. Never leave me. Never forsake me. That's how God always is. Never leaving nor forsaking me, whether I feel him or not. And usually I only feel him when something's wrong. <laughs> Amen. When something's wrong and I'm getting nervous, I feel him. And if I'm just laying around and I feel him, I think something's wrong. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Listen. <laughs> he has. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Turn here and say, I have all things. There's a confession of possession. A confession that you understand that you have things you have things available to you. You have things in your life. You have to understand his divine power has already provided that. You don't have to earn it and you don't have to deserve it. This is important. Let's go look at Ephesians 5 again. We covered that, but I want you to think about this as we're getting into something here. Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16 say, The sea that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We have divine precious promises given to us. The expectation is that we walk circumspectly understanding and being wise, that we operate in life understanding that we have the power and expected to redeem the time because there are evil days around us. That we're supposed to take advantage of the time that we have, use the time wisely, use the time with wisdom and insight, always using the time based on the understanding that we have of what the will of the Lord is. And when you understand the will of the Lord, there's certain things I won't waste time with. Amen? We were counseling this couple one time, and the couple was, they were, they were having a, they were arguing with each other, and, uh, and, uh, I got so frustrated I'm, I'm, with them arguing. We keep appealing to their logic. They keep, I keep, you know, every time they come from one angle, I'm trying, I'm trying to do this. And Tammy's trying to give, we're trying to frame things and, and get them to think a certain way. And finally, I got so frustrated. I, I, I'm, I'm going to confess. I called them the N-word. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I got so frustrated. I said, you ends don't want to do this. Wasting my time. <laughs> now, I know y'all can't imagine me saying that, but I'm, I'm confessing. I, I said, y'all don't want to do nothing here. <laughs> so I've learned. <laughs> it was a learning moment for me. I've learned. You can't make people do stuff. <laughs> that's that's gonna be in my don't do this in counseling uh that's gonna be a line in my, my counseling book don't don't do this <laughs> amen i'm human like the rest of y'all amen understand what the will of the lord is 
I have to understand the Lord says, I give you power. He gives power to all people. He gives us the ability to make decisions. God put Adam in the garden and said, don't do this. But he left him with what? The power to choose. But what happens is, is that when we are left with the power to choose, if we don't think about what the will of the Lord is, and we don't have necessarily frameworks for maintaining and hanging on to what the will of the Lord is, then we do what happened in the book of Judges. At that point, there's no king. And so everybody did what's right in their own eyes. And so in this spat between these two people, the problem was is that she sees something, he sees something, and they're not seeking joint vision. They're not even looking for God's vision. They're looking for their vision. They're looking for if, if she would only do this, then I'd be okay. Well, I'm not doing that because that's not how I'm wired. I don't do that. And so, no, if you would only do this, then we'd be okay. (laughs) But husband and wives make a covenant between each other that they will become one. But you can't be one saying, come over here, and I ain't coming over there. (laughs) You can't make a covenant standing on two sides saying that if you come, that's not a covenant. A covenant is when two people come to this place and we say, you know what? We accept each other how we are, where we are, and this is the agreement that we make going forward. You can't get into a marriage covenant and tell tell your wife what your mama used to do for you. (laughs) Yeah, Charles, you can't. I'm sorry, Charles. You can't. You can't do that. (laughs) Charles, you've been trying that for 55 years? How long? 52 years you've been trying that one? It ain't work yet, has it? (laughs) As my witness, it don't work. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord does not revolve around us. We revolve around the will of the Lord. We're the ones who have to move in terms of how the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord doesn't flex to us. The will of the Lord is already established. The will of the Lord has been known since God spoke it into existence in the very beginning. In the garden, God spoke and said what his will was. Adam, you've been designed to have dominion. Go have dominion over fish of the sea, the bird of the air. Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, you should have dominion over it. You should rule over it. And then when Cain fell, killed his brother, or right before he killed his brother, when God saw his heart, he said, Cain, sin is crouched at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Even before they fell into sin, God told me, he said, sin is already right there. It's already waiting at the door. You should have dominion over it. Understand what my will is. My will is that you have dominion even over this thing that wants to have dominion over you. Even this thing that is designed as a trap for you. It's waiting at the door. And the picture that, that the Hebrew word gives, it says it's crouched. And the word that's used is like an animal in prey would crouch. <laughs> Tell your neighbor and say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
understand what the will of the Lord is. We talked last week about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. For you to be in a mode of growth and for you to actually move forward in this next year, what you're going to have to do is be aware of what the will of the Lord is. You will have to keep the will of the Lord before your face. And when you keep the will of the Lord before your face, you will have to filter your decisions and filter your conversations and filter other things through the will of the Lord. Amen? When you filter things through the word of the Lord, then what happens is he becomes a shield about you. Thou, O God, are a shield about me, the earth of my glory and the lifter of my head. When you can filter everything through what God says, then what happens is you become God's word becomes a multitude of counsel around you and keeps you safe when things want to come at you. Amen. When you can filter everything you deal with through the will of God, then what happens is, is that when 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 enemies call you to come left or right, you let them know, no, God's will is straight ahead. Amen. Come on. Come on. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what happens? Everything else gets added to you. When you can start seeking the Lord, we're seeking the Lord. Lord, how do I do what's next? Seek my face. Seek the kingdom. And then I'll support you with everything that's needed. Amen? Amen. I, I, I began to, to understand that the Holy Spirit... He will continually speak to you. He will continually give voice to you. He'll continue to be in your ear and guide you when you can keep your filter before you. Amen? Amen. Keep your filter. Your filter is the word of God. Your filter is the word that starts to be that thing in place for you. And when you understand what the will of the Lord is, then you are like a tree planted by the rivers of living water who will bring forth its seed and fruit in its season. Amen? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something you already know. And again, if you already know, be prepared to teach it. If you're here for the first time, activate it. Amen? Amen. The kingdom of God is revealed in three purposes. And again, how are you protecting yourself? You're protecting your own life through accessing the promises of God. See, See, here's the thing. God has given us exceedingly great and precious promise. And we said all the promises of God are yes and in him, amen, right? So God has all these precious promises and in partaking of these promises is what actually protects us and guards us. But we have to understand what the will of the Lord is in order to move into those promises. And God's promises basically break down into three specific things. Number one is God has the promise of redemption. Redemption and salvation. The promise of redemption and salvation. This is important because if you don't pass through the promise of redemption and salvation, none of the other promises work. (laughs) Amen. The promise of redemption and salvation. Why is redemption and salvation important? Because if you don't receive that first seed, and if you don't really absorb that one, then you you, 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 you don't understand the others. Because otherwise, you'll be seeing through your own eyes. See, when I gave my life to Jesus, my whole universe changed. Because up until that point, my whole paradigm of life was I live to enjoy myself, and I enjoy myself until I leave this place. (laughs) Period. 
I'm going to eat all I want to eat. I'm going to drink whatever I want to drink. And I'm going to have as much fun, doing as much things, whatever I can, whatever I can envision in my head, I'm going to do. <laughs> yes, the Epicurean life. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die. <laughs> so my, before coming to Christ, that's my paradigm. That's where I'm working from. And so working from that paradigm, my decisions are not filtered by anything except that. Is it food? Yeah. Is it drink? Yeah. Is it fun? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> except work ain't fun. <laughs> so I ain't going today. <laughs> Amen. Come on, listen, this is how the, the world system lives this way. This is why you got to be prepared to understand this and to teach it to other people. When you're living by that paradigm, you live in a way that causes problems. Because you don't make decisions based on your covenants. You make decisions on how you feel. So you can be a grown person, married, in a good relationship, everything going around you, but something shiny shines on you and you break your covenant to go do what you want to do. Why? Because that's your paradigm. That's how you see life. Now, as Christians, we know we have the word and we have other things, but there are always, even as believers, there are certain things that are still in our paradigm that we haven't weeded out because we haven't renewed our mind. Don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Guess what? His precious promises are blessings. So the first thing is, is his promises, the promise of redemption. His will is that you be redeemed from the curse of the law, that you be redeemed from that, that you don't live in condemnation. If you understand, fully understand this gift, then you should never as a believer walk around feeling condemned. Amen. Now, guess what? Church people will condemn you. Church people make you feel bad about yourself sometimes. Amen? Come on, tell your neighbor and say, amen, I know that's right. Come on. Sometimes. Why? Not because we want to, but because we haven't fully renewed our minds. And because we haven't renewed our minds, we weigh burdens on each other. That's why, Pastor and I used to tell this story about this young woman who came into, walked into their church and got saved. And they were having a night service. And so the young woman got saved. She was so excited. Oh, man, praise the Lord. The Lord accepts me as I am. And she went home and put on the best dress she had, which was a strapless nighttime dress. So she can't, yeah, a dancing dress. Let's put it that way. A <laughs> club dress. She put it on. She came to church. Hallelujah. <laughs> so what happens is somebody is going to help multiple, my wife said multiple somebodies came and they're going to help her. They, ain't got, they don't have bad intent. They're going to help her. Baby, don't wear that. You can't wear that to church. You can't wear that to church. But guess what? Can't wear this what I'm supposed to wear. And what they said was, she left that night, never came back. So what, what, what should have happened? Understand what the will of the Lord is. 
The second part of the will of the Lord is that we be transformed into the image of Christ. So what did Jesus do when Jesus encountered people who were inappropriately dressed or inappropriately doing things or inappropriately in situations? How did Jesus handle it? (laughs) How about the woman who was caught in adultery with a man and brought into a circle and judged on the spot? How did Jesus handle the situation? When she was caught in the very act and the people who said, we caught them in the act. Well, why is she in there? Where's the dude? Why is she in the circle and he's not? (laughs) If you caught her in the act. (laughs) Amen. Because they carried their bias into it. And so they're standing around there waiting to make a judgment on her. What does Jesus do? Jesus sits down and starts writing on the ground. And they're waiting for him to say something. But all he does is write in the dirt. He's writing in the dirt. And there's some theologian that speculate he was saying, liar, <laughs> fornicator, cheater, hypocrite. <laughs> and then it says that he stood up, he looked at them and said, he who is without sin among you, let them throw the first rock. And it said, and they all left from the oldest to the youngest. Now, sometimes you young, you full of zeal, you can't see yourself. When we get a little more mature, we see ourselves. <laughs> so the, the ones who saw themselves, they just said, oh, okay, well, <laughs> if you're going to get all technical about it, then no, I, <laughs> no I'm not throwing a rock. <laughs> Amen. But sometimes we believe for the gospel's sake we have to condemn, and that's not what the word says. How do you handle it? When everybody was gone, he intimately came to her and said, your accusers are gone. Go your way. Just don't sin anymore. So probably what's a better conversation? Hey, baby, look, I know you probably wore your best thing at church. If you want, I'll take you to the store this afternoon and get you something you can wear to church. Was I, was I offensive? Yeah, don't, don't worry about it. That's, if somebody's looking at you, that's their eyes. They got the problem. Amen? But I'm going to love you. Let's go take care of this. You're going to have all the men in the church lusting. The men in the church ought to lift their eyes unto the hills. But <laughs> <laughs> whence cometh they help? They help coming from the Lord. Amen? <laughs> Amen. If you see something you ain't supposed to see, lift up your eyes. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Shaping us to the image of Christ is the second thing. The third thing is God's promise, the will of God, is to establish Eden around us. First, He wants to bring us redemption, bring us to salvation. Second, he wants to shape us into the image of Christ. But third, he wants to rebuild Eden around us. God's original intent was to make man and put him in the garden, the place of his choice. Now, the garden, the place of his choice for you, doesn't probably look like a bunch of plants 
but it may look like the preferred environment God desires to have you in. There are certain things that God has ordained for you, and God has, has uh, ordained where your gifts and talents will flow most in those places. If you have a seed, and you take that seed, and you plant it in, well, I'm going to tell you, I've mentioned this before. When Tammy and I first bought our house, it's 20 years ago now, house we live in, we bought about 20 years ago, it's a brand new house, and so we, we were putting all things in place. And so Tammy had all these ideas about all these plants. I said, baby, baby, we got we to gotta read the tags and we got to plant the plants according to the tags. Because right now, it looks like we should put plants in all kinds of spaces, but we don't know how big certain plants are going to get. And if we overplant, then it's going to overgrow. So if we put too many plants close to each other and they're supposed to get big, then, you know, we're not going to look. It's going to look sparse. You know, for a while, it's not going to look like, like it's going to look like we didn't plant enough plants for a while. So we're going to use it. We're going to follow the tags. We're going to put them out, space them out that way. And praise the Lord. That's what we did. But I saw these two plants I had to have. I just got to have these plants. I got to have these. And so all the other stuff, okay, we're all in agreement, but these two, I just got to have them. And so we put them right in the front of the house. We got a little strip on the side. We put all these plants out there, and I put my two little plants. I put one over here and one over here. They spaced out. I said, oh, man, I love the weeds. These look, man, these are going to be so great. Man, I put that thing in the ground. 20 years later, that one, one of them died, and the other one ain't, but still ain't, but this big. 20 years later, 20 years, it gets plenty of sun, it gets plenty of light, it gets light, it gets, oh man, it's, it gets water, it gets everything, but that joker will not get past this side. And no matter what we do, pull it, you know, dig around it, everything, it won't grow. 20 years that thing has been sitting in front of everything else, we don't have to cut back and everything else, this thing it never got past that high. I kid you not, and I'm not, am I exaggerating? No. 20 years is still there. Why is that plant only that size? It gets everything it's supposed to get, except it's in the wrong place. <laughs> Amen. It's in the wrong place. It, it's in clay-based soil, and it can't break through the soil. And so it gets everything else, but it's not getting that, so it won't grow. And so this little plant, because of my insistence in putting it where it's not supposed to be, ended up not growing. Amen? But God says this. He said, you need to be in the garden, and the garden is the place that's made for you. And when it's made for you, then what happens is you begin to grow. Because what? Because I'm already providing the light. I'm providing the water. Now the soil has to be the right soil, and then you grow in the soil. Amen? So what God says is this, what is, what, is the, what is that thing that makes people grow in the body of Christ? What is the soil that makes people grow in the body of Christ? What is the, what is the water that makes people grow in the body of Christ? What is the light that makes people grow in the body of Christ? The light is that transformation that you are getting when you are beginning in discipleship and you're getting your eyes of your understanding flooded with light. The word of God becomes the light for you. The water is the spirit of God that comes on you and that water starts working in you and all of a sudden the move of God and the things of God start to happen in you. What is the soil? <laughs> the soil represents that garden and that soil is God's 
presence. It's God's presence with us. And when we have those things in operation, we individually start to grow. But we don't grow unless those things are present. Now, what does that have to do with doing what's right in your own eyes? When we do what's right in our own eyes, sometimes the soil doesn't look like the soil everybody else has. Sometimes the light we're getting doesn't look like the light everybody else has, and we gravitate what everybody else says, and then we don't get what God's called us to. Amen? Amen. Listen, here's what we're doing. This year, we're focused on really foundational, simple things. God's love for us is what brings redemption. God's discipleship is what brings us to the image of Christ and God manifests the garden around us and so when you think about what that means for us as a church it means the very things that God gave us as a mission and a purpose are the things that we have to keep our focus on we have to focus on number one can we operate and create an environment of love in this place and we know we do but we got to take it to another level amen we want to take it to another level. We want love to be, we want to be love to be so powerful in here that it not only draws people, it causes people to want to love. It's one thing to go somewhere and be loved on. It's another thing for the environment to make you want to love other people. Amen? That's what we're after. We're after cultivating the love of God so that not only do we judge love by whether we got it, it's whether I got a chance to give it. <laughs> Amen. We want the love to be in you to such an overflow, a level of overflow that your confidence in who you are is so high that you feel confident in loving other people. When you're not confident about the love in you, it's hard to love others. Amen? That's why when we get love, when we get married, it starts to be the love measure. When we get married, it starts to become the love measure because now I can't just be loved. I got to love. <laughs> Amen. That becomes a love measure. See, if your love level's low and you walk around single, you can be low. No big deal. Because you can just navigate wherever you want to be. You don't have to love nobody. When you get married and somebody's there, now your love level is now they, they just put an indicator on you. Boop. <laughs> oh, tank is low. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I need to I need to fill up on the love meter because I realize I'm struggling to love. Because my love level is low. Let me get it up. Amen? Amen. The garden is the manifestation of God's presence in our lives. Amen. Amen. Listen, here's where I want you to focus. We're going to close in just a second here. I want you to simplify your life. Simplify your life. By starting your day, understanding what the will of God is. Can you just get up every day and just say, you know what? So I'm not led astray, so I'm not off point, so I can actually be productive as God's called me to be this year. I'm going to set my priority when I rise in the morning, and I'm going to declare the will of God over my life. So how do I do that? I get up by saying, Father, thank you in the name of Jesus that today I make a decision to walk in love because love is your will. I make a decision to walk in love. I'm going to walk in love first to you because I'm going to be a worshiper. 
I'm going to worship you in spirit and truth this morning. Lord, right now, I thank you that you are my everything. I'm going to express my love to you. I'm going to worship you. Guess what? Do you know that there are nine scriptural ways to worship God? And music ain't one of them. <laughs> Amen. There's nine scriptural ways to worship God. And if you're going to love God, the first thing you know, man, how do I worship God? Well, first way is to lie down before the Lord. Just to lie in his presence, to lay down in God's presence. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you just to be in his presence. Second thing is to sit in his presence. Amen. Just sit before the Lord. I'm just going to sit here in your presence. But the key is, is your focus is on God. Your focus is off of everything else. It's just on God. Then you can stand before the Lord. I'm standing before you, Lord. I'm standing before you. Then you can lift your hands to God. Lord, I lift my hands to you as a worship to your name. And then you can clap before the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I clap my hands in worship to your name. I thank you, Lord. I clap your name. I clap, clap before you, Lord. Then you can dance before the Lord. Lord, I thank you, hallelujah, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. I thank you, Lord, that I worship, I praise you this morning. Then you can sing before the Lord. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. All those different ways to worship God. We bring you to church and we worship with you in one way. But you've got all these other ways to worship God. You can simplify your life by getting up in the morning and saying, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. I know the band's not here, but I'm, while the band's getting a rest, I'll meet them on Sunday. But right now, I love you, and I worship you, and I give you praise. And when you do that in the morning, you start your morning that way, then when you come in here, it's going to be natural for you to do the same thing. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Lord, that ain't my song, but I'll get in the flow with them. Hallelujah. And I'll just worship you and praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I, listen, I don't need the band in my house to say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. You are good, Lord. I thank you. I don't need them for that. You don't need them for that. You can get on your knees. You can worship God any way you choose. You can start your day with a worship before the Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Guess what? And when you do that... Then you can say, guess what, Lord? I love these people you put around me. I thank you for the oikos of people you set around me. And thank you, Jesus. I love on these people today. I thank you, Lord. You're going to show me how to love them. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Lord, I thank you. you starting your day with that. Woo, praise the Lord. And that's phase one. Yes. Then you turn the case and say, Lord, I thank you, Lord. I love them. And guess what? I, I'm going to be your disciple today. Lord, teach me, Lord. Show me your word. Show me how to pray today. Teach me how to have kingdom relationships with everybody else around me. And Lord, then also show me how to serve. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, today. Hallelujah. I'm your disciple. Hallelujah. I thank you. You're going to teach me. You're going to show me the way. You're going to show me through your word. You're going to show me through your prayers. You're going to show me through my relationships. And you're going to show me in my service. Hallelujah. When I get to do and I get to work today, Lord, I'm a servant today. Hallelujah. I thank you. I'm here to serve. I'm here to be a blessing today. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. This is part of my discipleship. Me growing up is learning how to serve. Thank you, Jesus. And then, Lord, set Eden around me today. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for setting Eden around me today. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that Eden has five dimensions. 
Eden has your presence. Thank you for your presence with me today. Hallelujah. Eden has Eve. <laughs> I thank you for my partnership with those close to me right now. Hallelujah. Eden has me having dominion, and I'm gifted, and I have abilities to have dominion over things today. I thank you that Eden, I walk healthy and strong in Eden. Hallelujah. I'm totally well in Eden. I don't carry worry. I don't carry concern. I thank you because you provided all things in Eden, and Eden has all my total provision. Everything I need is in this garden. I lack nothing. I have want for nothing because I've been placed in Eden. That's a simplified prayer life. That's starting your day every day that way. And then go out from there with expectation that God's going to do everything he said he's going to do. Amen? Now, you can do what you want to do. You can take your eyes somewhere else. But I guarantee you, if you can simplify your life and start your days that way, then guess what? You're going to see God do mighty things. You're going to see God's presence being manifested around you in different ways. You're going to cast worries out of your head. Because when worries start to come, you say, no, no, no. I dwell in Eden. I'm not worried. Hallelujah. I dwell in Eden. God's got provision for me. I'm, 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 I'm not worried about that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, no, no. I'm not worried. Oh, my body's hurt a little bit. That's okay. Eden has provision. The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Hallelujah. I'm going to break off something and uh, I'll, be, I'll be fine. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. See, this is that, that's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. Notice what's not there. Religion is not there. A bunch of rules are not there. Come on, that's not there. That, those things aren't there. It's the presence of God. It's being and invoking the presence of God. You want to make your new year quality, then that's what you do. You just say, Lord, hallelujah, I'm only worried about three things. I'm worried about you giving me this redemption. I'm worried about you discipling me and teaching me the way that I should go. And I'm worried about you establishing Eden in my presence. And Lord, thank you. I'll agree with you and I'll expand Eden that wherever I set my feet, you're going to expand Eden to be. Amen. Amen. Any church I visit, the worship is great. <laughs> I've never been to a church with bad worship. Never, ever, not one time. Never been to a church with bad worship. Not one time. You know why? Because I'm a worshiper. Wherever I go, worship is. <laughs> they was play, one church they was playing rock, I was worshiping. One church they was silent, I was worshiping. I went to church, it was so loud, I had to ask the keyboard player to turn the, turn the organ down, man. I was still worshiping though. <laughs> Why? Because wherever I go, I bring the worship with me. Why? Because I start my day by saying, Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. I love you. I praise you, Lord. And I love your people, Lord. I thank you. How do me and Tammy walk in love? We walk in love by praising God. By keeping that praise before us. Keeping that worship before us. How are we going to change the world? We're going to change the world not by observing the world. We're going to change the world by just loosing what's in us. Hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. I, can't, I ain't got time to tell that story, so I ain't going to start. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit got self-discipline as a gift. Amen. I ain't going to tell that story. Amen. Hallelujah. Abundant life is righteousness, kingdom relationships, powerful gifts and talents, wholeness and freedom, and 
abundant resources, kingdom supply. That's the garden. Amen? Listen, what are we going to do this year? We're going to do what we do every year. We're going to live, but we're going to live in a new way. We're going to live in a way that starts to allow us to be free in the things of God and have our mindset so that we become disciple makers. We become disciple makers not by focusing on them, but by focusing on God's will in our lives. Because God's will in our lives is always going to place us in places where when the garden is manifested, people are going to ask you, how did the garden get here? How is there a garden here? There's desert all around. Do you know why they fight over, the, over Israel right now? Do you know why they fight over Israel? Israel's in the Middle East, and Israel is some, high, some kind of way a place where they grow produce. <laughs> How do they grow produce in a place that's in the Middle East? Because Israel's full of fruitful, place, full, fruitful land. How did it get fruitful? Because it was a promise from God. <laughs> God said, I'll cause rivers to flow in the desert. Hallelujah. I'll cause a river to flow where there should not be a flow. Hallelujah. God, God told, told Ezekiel, he said, listen, I'm going to show you a vision. And he showed him a vision of the temple. And he said, look at the temple. And the amazing thing for Ezekiel was there was a river flowing out of the temple. Usually we're worried about water coming into a building. But this building had water coming out of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? It comes up just like John, Jesus said about in John chapter 7. He said, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. And guess who you are? You're the temple of God. Amen. So what does that mean? That means if water's flowing out of me, I don't care if I'm in a desert. I make, I'm letting the water flow. I'm, I will make the place fruitful. Amen. Come on. If you work for a place that's going down, don't say, man, this place is going down. Say, no, no. This place is going to be fruitful because I'm in here. It's going to come to life. It's going to come to life because I'm here. Why? Because I'm spending my time worshiping God. And the presence of God is with me. Hallelujah. You can make any place fruitful place. If I had known that, I wouldn't have had to take that TV out of that company that day. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. If I had known then what I know now, I would have helped them become fruitful. Instead of getting mad because they weren't paying me on time. I'm mad. You ain't paying me. I'm taking this TV, you know. <laughs> If I knew now what I knew then, the couple who I had to say ungodly words to, I would have helped them in a different way because I would have recognized I'm the one carrying the water. <laughs> I'm carrying the water so I can help you if you want help. Amen. See, this year is a year where there's going to be darkness spreading over the face of the earth. And if you look right now, it's people who are trying to push off God. And sometimes it makes the church feel like, I, I read all these theologians saying the church may not be around. No, the church is going to be here. The church is going to be here. But the church can't just be a building. <laughs> the church has got to be what it was created to be. The what is the will of God? The will of God is for God's people. To have a king and to flow with the king in this kingdom. Not that there be no king and everybody just does what's right in their own eyes. But there be a king over us. Who is that? Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus the word of God. 
And when the word of God is over us, then we flow with the word and we do and we see what God's called us to see. Amen. Amen. There's people who are struggling right now who think that they're living good. And guess what? When life touches them, you're going to be right there because you're already going to be praying for them. Amen. Amen. And when you pray for them and they come to you looking for help, you're just going to not tell them, see, I've been trying to tell you for the last 20 years when you come to church. No, you're just going to say, praise the Lord. Let me tell you what God says about the situation. Let me tell you what, how God can help you get out of this. Let me tell you how God can heal what's broken. Let me tell you how God can do what you need done. Let me tell you how God's going to show you how to let you be the catalyst for your whole family being saved. Let me show you how God's going to work in your life. Let me show how God can transform a circumstance, how God can change circumstances. Let me show you how God can exalt you when everybody else wants to throw you away. Let me show you how God works. Hallelujah. That's how we're going to spend our new year. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that today we will embrace the presence of the Lord. We will embrace, Lord, not our own understanding, but the understanding of the Spirit. Thank you right now for setting every person in this place into position to flow in the power of your Spirit. I thank you to everyone here today, Lord God, whatever their struggle, the battles are. Wow, thank you for listening to today's message titled, Say Yes, Part 7, God's Vision. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. We've got some great and exciting things on there, and we invite you to check it out. On our site, you're going to find more information about us. You'll find more about our church and our events calendar and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.